Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. about my personal recovery. Um, I'm excited about yours and what you're doing in your life. There's so much going on uh, today, not only from a social dynamic of uh, with the coronavirus, but even in our own personal uh, introspective lives and how we're finding our way through this maze of uh, social shifting and how that translates to us. Uh, I can tell you, whether you're uh, eight days, eight months, eight years. Uh, in my case, I'm coming up on 34 years today, and I love a good round number. <laughs> today is 12,400 days, uh, 12,400 days of continual sobriety. And it just blows my mind that um, just the 25th of this month, uh, I will celebrate 34 years of continual sobriety. I first came into recovery, into treatment in February of 1986, and I would relapse after 71 days and come back to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and the fellowship of what I needed to do to get well one day at a time. And now today, 12,400 days later, here I am, you and me, chatting about what's going on, how we can elevate our wellness that we would then be a greater impact and influence in the lives of other people. And nowadays, with everything going on, the, the social changes and some of the things and the adjustments that we have to make, we just need to be a little bit more creative in terms of how we approach each other and what we approach each other with and see if there's anything shifting in the, in the tide of what we need to do to become well. And I think from a social dynamic, there truly is. And so we're going to address some things along the way. But primarily, we are a principle-centered person. And that is what we become as a person of recovery. We're no longer swayed by opinion of either our own self-image or how we believe others are viewing us. We were a people without principle, without guidelines, without a, without a code uh, that we lived by, and everything was based on the moment, the now, what I was feeling, what I wasn't feeling, how I could medicate away from that pain. Or if you weren't addicted to a substance, then what kind of behavior could I become involved with uh, in, in, in my journey to sort of forget about where I'm at? As many of you know, if you haven't listened to much of my story, uh, I actually came to uh, through Gamblers Anonymous before I ever went to an AA meeting 
because I was a compulsive gambler as well. I was addicted to pornography, alcohol, drugs. I was a compulsive overeater. I'd become bulimic and was binging and purging throughout the course of my day. And of course, I, I um, uh, had such a gambling problem uh, living in Las Vegas the way that I did. So there's so many things that even after, if we are addicted to a substance, even after that substance goes away, we still need to apply rules and principles to our recovery. You know, something that I heard a long time ago, and uh, again, if you know me well and listen to me much, you'll know that I'm a big fan of the late, great uh, Dr. Stephen Covey, Principle-Centered Leadership, uh, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, First Things First, an inside-out approach to, to quality and change. So much of the of the uh, of the movement, uh, the quality movement that Dr. Covey and 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 Deming were involved with, but one of the quotes I had heard from uh, Stephen years ago in my early listening of him was a, was a quote by um, a sociologist, uh, Emil Durkheim, and if you ever want to find someone who's very very fascinating, uh, Emil Durkheim. Uh, might be someone for you. Um, Dr. Durkheim, uh, uh, Durkheim was a, uh, a French sociologist, and he was actually considered the father of sociology. Um, he would analyze how different aspects of society together were formed as a whole. So the, how the pieces form the whole. Um, and just as he would do that, uh, I think more specifically, a lot of the things that he would lecture and publish uh, uh, from his sociological studies, uh, education, crime, again, all from a sociological standpoint, uh, how these types of things affected society as a whole. But again, crime, education, religion, suicide, and other aspects of society. Well, you, you might say, how does that affect me as a person of recovery? Well, what is addiction if it's not a type of suicide? Let's look at it. Let's call it what it is, right? I might want to say that uh, I was alcoholic, I was a drug addict, I was a compulsive eater, but, but I don't want to look at myself as a person who was subject to suicide. But now that I know more about my my disease, my dis-ease, right? And how I wanted to isolate and separate uh, in some of the behaviors I was involved in, depending upon your addiction, often determines what is being killed. So there's a form of suicide because it's self-inflicted and we're the ones engaged in the behavior. Um, so again, depending upon your addiction, often determines on what is being killed if our behavior is not arrested, the the addiction or behavior it, it's going to cause the the premature death of of jobs, finances, health, relationships, more specifically families, self esteem. And, and those are just to name a few. I'm sure you, you have your own list of things that, that died prematurely 
based on your behavior or some of the things they were near death and your recovery was able to resuscitate them or resurrect them. But what's on your list? Again, I've got jobs, finances, health, relationships, families, self-esteem, maybe a, a spiritual connection with 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 um, uh, with the God of your the religion of your childhood, right? Maybe maybe it affected you even how you looked physically, right? So when we talk about health, we talk about weight, right? Um, have you ever really seen a meth addict? Um, you know, uh, after after addiction really sets in, you know, or if you saw me when I ballooned up to four hundred pounds. Uh, with my eating disorders, you know, so there's so many things that are that are going on with us, and we are causing it, right? And so what is suicide? Suicide is death by self, right? And 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 we are the ones who are perpetuating uh, the negative results in our life. No one else did it, right? I remember, I remember driving with my mom and uh, my dad had been passed away by this time and I was in Las Vegas visiting her and 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 I remember driving in the car with her and and I was talking to her about where I was doing and how well I was going and and all the things that were going on in my life and you know she said you know Bobby I, I'm really sorry uh, that this happened to you um, you know we're 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 sorry for what we did. And I, and I looked at my mom, and, and I was curious at first, but then I realized where she was going. And I said, Mom, you know, I, I don't remember you and Dad, you know, ever pouring the alcohol uh, down my throat or forcing me to take drugs. And she was, you know, astounded. She, she stopped and said, well, of course we wouldn't do that. Well, I said, Mom, then you really didn't do anything to me, did you? You know? It was me. It was my suicide. It was it was my self-infliction. It was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It was a self-inflicted wound, which, again, let's go back to it. Let's call it suicide. So so I think Emil Durkheim in his study will fit here because I'm going to share with you a a um, a phrase that uh, Dr. Covey introduced me to in the mentioning of uh, Emil Durkheim. Um, do you want to know what a moray is? Uh, a moray, their, their moral beliefs that, um, that people can hold steadfastly to them. Listen to the quote here. The quote is, when... Mores are sufficient, laws aren't necessary. When mores are insufficient, laws or, or rules are unenforceable. Again, when mores or, or moral beliefs, when they are sufficient, you don't need a law or a rule. When they are insufficient, there's not a rule or law out there that's going to cause them to be abided to. He, Dr. Durkheim used the word um, uh, 
superfluous or, or needless, right? So if I'm not going to live a law and I'm going to disregard it, you know, in terms of the moral belief, then, then there's not a law out there that, that you're going, that's going to get me to adhere to it. And, and, and addiction is the same way. Um, according to um, Merriman Webster, uh, amore is, um, is the fixed morally binding customs of a particular group. The fixed morally binding customs of a particular group. Now, before I came to the change I'm now undergoing in my personal recovery, I had no morality that bound me to a set of principles or norms. How about you? Did you have anything that really bound you where where day in and day out you made a daily commitment to getting those things done? I doubt if you did. If you did, then why did we end up where we ended up? We we might have hit them occasionally, right? But but um, doing the right thing every now and then is more of a of a convenience rather than a commitment, wouldn't you say? Because if I'm really committed and I really believe that what I'm doing is harmful, then I need to make a commitment to that other type of behavior that's going to allow me to get better over a period of time. So let me go ahead and rephrase the quote to better apply to us as a people of recovery. Remember, when mores are sufficient, laws are unnecessary. When mores are insufficient, laws are unenforceable. In other words, when I have adopted the rules, guidelines, or directive, or direction associated with with the plan I'm working, I really don't require outside pressure to perform or conform to it. I just sort of self-actualize and I make my commitment and I just do that as I would tell my children, we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, right? I have a guideline, I have a moray, I have a set of principles that I know I need based on the, my previous condition. And, and even though support and comfort is good to have, it's really not necessary when it comes to, to my journey, right? So on the other hand, when I reject the same you know, rules and, and guidelines or direction associated with, with any given plan, then no amount of external pressure or coercion is going to be effective. You know, it might be effective in the short term, but if you've got a wound that's bleeding out, unless you fix it from the core, unless you go in and surgically repair it, then in order for it to not bleed, you have to apply what? You have to apply pressure. You have to apply pressure on the wound to get it to stop bleeding. 
And once you remove the pressure, guess what? It begins bleeding again. And the same thing here. If, if, if I'm rejecting the guidelines or the rules or the, the mores, the societal norm, the custom of a particular group, then I'm just bleeding out and I require external pressure to stop bleeding, but I'm still not fixed. I'm still not right because the, the difference is the, the fact that I'm not bleeding is coming from external pressure or coercion rather than an internal commitment to a particular way of doing things. Does that make sense? I hope that it does. It, it certainly does for me. You know, years ago, um, and I was fairly new to recovery. I was probably seven or eight months along the way, still certainly within my first year, still considered myself a newcomer uh, when it came right down to it. And I remember I had this friend, and I, I don't remember her name, but I remembered this instant, this moment. And we were friends, and we'd go to meetings together, and, and one one night... I saw her and she was, she had driven by the club and she was with a couple people in the car and, and I, and I said, Hey, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? Uh, the, the people she was with didn't really look that familiar to me. And so I said, Hey, what's going on? And, and she said, well, I'm just out and about and I think I'm going to go drink. And I said, well, why, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense to me. Why don't you come in and we'll go to a meeting? And she said no and started to tell me what else she was going to do. And so I started giving her all the reasons that um, she should come in. I tried to help remind her of the, the morally binding customs of our 12-step group. I tried to reintroduce her to the to the mores or to the to the guidelines, the code that we were that we agreed upon that God couldn't what if he were sought. That that we needed to clean house, that we needed to take these steps, that we needed to to follow that path. Because remember, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And I and I wanted to remind her of the binding custom that she morally agreed to to be a part of our group. Again, that's Merriam-Webster's definition translated for you and me in recovery. So I got to the end of all of that, and every one of those things that I suggested to this person, she rejected. And then finally, I said, then why don't you just go get drunk? No. And she said, you know, I think I will. And and they drove off. And and I don't know if she did or she didn't. I, I, I do remember I never saw her again. But there was there was nothing there. There was no moral commitment. There was no moral binding. So whatever whatever pressure that was on her to perform or conform, she no longer thought it was worth it, no longer thought the payoff, 
no longer thought the external pressure or conditions that were placed on her were were sufficient to bring about her recovery. Again, when mores are sufficient for you and me, right? We know, we know that we have a binding custom that is making us feel better about who we are, about where we're going, about what we're doing, about what we're becoming. That binding custom is sufficient, then we don't need an outside reminder of why we need to do this. Internally, we know. Internally, we say, sign me up. The daily reprieve I'm given contingent on my maintenance of spiritual conditioning is sufficient for me to say, I want another day. And, and if you're this person who went out drinking that night, and again, I suspect she did because it was only until I came into that agreement with her that she even left. There's no amount of external pressure or coercion that's going to last enough or be deep enough for you and me to say that's sufficient because they will never be effective. Laws are unenforceable. The results of my behavior will not cause me to change because eventually they won't mean anything because I haven't made that internal commitment. I haven't made it. I hope you have. Are your mores sufficient? Do you have a fixed moral binding or a custom with a particular group or your higher power, something that is causing you to feel an internal, spiritual, mental, emotional, and even physical obligation to live a particular way. I mean, don't take it from me. Take it from Emil Durkheim, the father of sociology, who understood the sociological effects of suicide. And our old behavior is a form of suicide because it is in self-inflicted death in the areas of our jobs, our finances, our health, our relationships, our family, our personal and spiritual self-esteem. These things matter, and I hope they matter to you. And in this time of challenge, of concern, of not being able to be close physically to the person that you would like to be close to because of these social distance restrictions, let's find another way to be grounded while we're waiting to have this added. Because in reality, we still have each other. We just don't have each other in the same physical sense that we enjoyed. We now have to dig deeper to find who we really are and what we're really about. And I guarantee you that if you make this commitment to your mores, to your morally binding custom or agreement, if you do that, then when we get through this all, and we will get through it, 
the amount of strength and determination and reliability that you will have will allow you to go through anything in life. Anything. Because you have weathered this storm and you have found out that you can be morally binded to a custom of a particular group. And whatever group you're involved with, whatever journey and path, the LDS church, the evangelical church, the Catholic church, the the Buddhist recovery way, you name it, AA, NA, OA, GA, whatever path you're on, you have a morally binding custom that that group goes by to make sure that from the inside out, we can do this. Because if, if these mores, if this binding agreement is not sufficient, we will relapse. And whether it was my life or the lives of other people that I've seen relapse, they are devastatingly destructive because the majority of people who relapse never find their way back. Remember that. I also want you to remember, especially if you're new or relatively new, and I shared this with some people in a Zoom meeting last week at Annie's house. Uh, I told this one person, I said, you know, just remember that your last drunk or high could literally be your last drunk or your last high. I think the difference is those of us who find ourselves sufficient mores or sufficiently binding to a custom of a group, then no matter what goes on around us, the road might be rocky, but we'll never get off the path. This is a journey we're taking. This is a time worth fighting for and finding out who we are and what we believe and how we can believe it stronger. And then once we've formulated that message in our heart, in our mind, and we can learn to articulate it either verbally or through social media or through a, uh, an embrace, a personal encounter, we can be the encouragement of the next person. And anytime I can encourage you, I guarantee you, I am encouraged. So go check out my stuff. I know you're listening to my podcast on one of the podcast channels. Also know that all my blogs and all my podcasts are available on recoveryguide.org. Share it with a friend. Comment. Let me know how we can more assist you between Jane and John and JJ and myself. We are the Recovery Guy team, and this is a movement worth being involved with. Thank you for your time today. And I hope your mores are sufficient. My name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.